0: Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Our hosts are Brett Powell, Heather Kim, Jason Jensen, Eric Chow, and Amber Zolt.
1: The skill of listening and the skill of asking very good questions sounds like, I mean, it it would be a good skill to have in having trust conversations, but it would be something that would be very good to have at any threshold, I think. (laughs) Uh, and and it also aids in bringing about faith conversations, so that at some point, that's your intel in terms of uh, wh- where they might be starting to move towards an- the next yes or to the next next threshold. If if you're not having faith conversations, you could be in trust, or you could have a friendship or a relationship that's that's going on for you know years or whatever it might be, and, uh, and you may never recognize or perhaps find an opportunity to to start the conversation that could move towards curiosity, openness, seeking. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that's really crucial, especially, like you say, I mean, we're as lay people, we're in their lives and we're their mm. work, where their colleagues at work, we're their fellow students, we're their family members, we're their friends, we're the people they run with and work out in the gym with and, you know, all that stuff. Um, And they're not going to go near a priest. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah. I find often with, uh, with intentional disciples, with Catholics, we have these relationships. We have these friendships, like you mentioned, whether it's someone that you work out with, a colleague. And the hardest thing for a lot of people is having that initial conversation. How do I actually go from just being chummy with you around the lunch table or working out with you to actually starting that spiritual conversation or opening that door. Do you have any tips for our listeners about what would be some great first questions or how to take those initial steps to actually start the conversation? First of all,
0: and this is really crucial. You have to know a bridge of trust is in place there. And I have, and if you ask the question and they push you away, it's probably an indication that there isn't enough trust yet. Okay. So I'd be working hard on, this is not something to try with people you only know, you know, very casually. Okay. Um, I would be praying seriously for that person for strengthening of trust and for God to guide me as to the right moment. And often you will be prompted. You will You'll know, okay, right now, this is the moment. Also, listening for, they often raise spiritual issues. They may not think of it as such, but they're raising um, issues that have spiritual ramifications. And that, uh, you know, or or you maybe are just sharing something in your own life, very matter-of-factly, about that has, you know, something about your spiritual life. And they're going, hmm. They'll think about that. They'll go. She's talking like she talks to God, or something. Like God might actually hear. Oh, that's weird. But I'm going to think about that for a while. You know. So um, that. So the main thing is, and especially if you're dealing with family, this is the trickiest one of all because it's so complicated. Um, I know. I tried having one of these conversations with one of my sisters, and. Um, you know, I thought, well, hey, we're from evangelical backgrounds; we can talk about this. And I said, "Back, I've never heard your story." And she went, she just went white. And I said, "Okay, I guess we're back to building trust." <laughs> so, um, so it's yeah. You know, I I would just be listening, and and for instance, uh, one guy who talked to me on a plane, he basically told me he was being treated for cancer, and I have I worked my way through school on a cancer unit. So I just said, you know, for some reason you want to talk about it, you know, you're not going to freak me out or anything. Well, he never drew breath, of course. I mean, he talked and talked and talked. And an hour in, and I was just listening, listening, you know, an hour in, I literally heard the Holy Spirit say, ask the question. I thought, (sighs) you know, oh my gosh, Um, well, so where is God in all of this for you? You know, okay, Um, and you know, the first hour I was establishing trust, and I was listening. And if you're really listening, you'll hear you'll hear the connection points for them. You'll hear you may. And if you're really in your praying, you're saying, "Lord, show me is there a bridge of trust I can walk across? Is there some spiritual issue that has been raised by them that I could just naturally?" you know, make a connection to. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you might just hear him say, ask the question. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that bridge of trust is, is so important. I, I echo everything that you're, you're saying. And I think there could be intentional disciples that have good uh, relationships that are based on trust, but perhaps might be thinking in their mind, uh, per, like, or believing a, a bit of a false dichotomy where, you know, they might be thinking, like, can I speak about faith or do I keep a friend? But I can't do both, Uh, or like um, you know, if if I bring this up, this is going to you know damage the friendship, and I'm not sure I'm I'm it's 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 a risky thing. I don't know if I want to if I want to go there. Um, I had a friend who mentioned that after a good number of years, um, he spoke to another friend about faith, and it was to a friend who had you know kind of walked away from from faith and uh, stopped practicing and um, and all that and. And uh, his friend said, I'm surprised it took you so long to ask me. And I think it also speaks to the fact that as intentional disciples uh, who are serious about living a life centered on Jesus, uh, our witness of faith uh, should in fact, it's, it's almost as if like the people around us already know that we are living a particular way, we love Jesus, we have him at the center of our lives. And it's almost, it could almost be surprising if we didn't, Mm -hmm. in fact, start a particular conversation.
0: And what we're seeing in places like other, very secular places like Britain and Australia and whatnot, um, what people say, what was the turning point? The turning point for most people is somebody talked, you know, someone I knew and trusted raised the topic with me and talked to them.
1: Um,
0: And that's, yeah, it really is. They're going to know. I mean they'll know they can tell. They they ferret it out pretty quickly if you're close. Yeah. And um, and I think you can be very matter of fact about what you're doing. I'm you know, I'm 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 going to I went to church. Um or I'm on this I'm part of this group or I'm going through this class or I'm doing something, you know, just in a very straightforward way. Mm-hmm. But the, the the real with it, that's why the bridge of trust is so important, that personal yeah. They can say, well, I don't, you know, I don't agree with Eric and I don't know why he does what he does, but I like him anyway, because he's funny. Right. And he was really helpful for me, you know, when I was going through that bad time and, you know, he's a good friend, so I can tolerate the other stuff
1: and perhaps at some point that conversation might turn into curiosity conversations mm-hmm. so perhaps let's let's go there and, and i'd love to talk about the curiosity openness piece and perhaps that threshold as you've mentioned sherry that seems to be a very very big a big step a big threshold and perhaps it could be and i don't know this is you know my my kind of conjecture that uh, perhaps it's that moment where you know head knowledge is starting to butt up against the heart mm-hmm. and And that's, that's where, you know, barriers could come up.
0: It's, uh, the early curiosity is casual. So Mm. it's like, oh, you know, okay, Amber, she does, she said that thing. And that was kind of weird, but I'm going to think about that. I'm not going to, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to ponder it for a while. Um, but that's casual as people become more and more curious Uh, They may start to ask questions. They'll start to take some action. And of course, we want to foster curiosity about Jesus primarily for people, especially presuming we can't presume they have a background. It's stunning what people don't know anymore because it's not coming through family or culture. So they may be starting practically at zero, even though most people have a positive association with Jesus as a figure, even though they admit they know very little about him. Um, So, you know, you can tell tell his stories, one of the, the big issues, we call it, um, there comes a point when, this is something we've discovered, it's been really powerful, we call it the prayer of openness. Um, prior, just prior to my conversion as an undergrad, I, without knowing what this was, I basically said, okay, God, if you're there, show yourself to me, okay? This is just a private, just myself. It was, And it was the sort of, if you're there, if you're listening, if mm-hmm. you care, balls in your court sort of thing. Um, and I've discovered since that a lot of people, even from completely a religious backgrounds started to pray that as children, as teenagers, they just, um, one young man who is a major leader now in the Australian Catholic church raised in an Asian, completely a religious background, p- completely non-deist. Um, he said, I started praying that when I was eight years old mm-hmm. and I he wasn't baptized until he was 20. Um, And a priest in uh, the UK that was driving me around, he said, I prayed that when I was 11, you know, and so we're all discovering we'd all done it independently. So we need to be aware for one thing, the Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts, even if you and I aren't there and talking to them. I mean, we want to be there, but I'm just saying, you'd be amazed at the number of people who felt moved at just not even certain why but to talk, to open the doors that that prayer or something like it is incredibly powerful i have never seen god not respond in really powerful specific ways when somebody prays that prayer and so there can come a point where we as we're walking with someone and they become more and more curious you know you can even ask them if they would if they're ready, you know, what if you just told God you're open? I mean, you're curious, but you're not certain. I mean, if God's real, God's listening, you know, um, and we have now actually incorporated that now into our, we have a an online streaming version of the called and gifted discernment process that just uh, started last week. And we start off with that prayer. Um, before we get into any of the details of discernment, because we know we get people who are all over the map spiritually, mm-hmm. they could be they could be prenatal and they could be great saints and they could be anything in between. And so wherever you are, we give them the chance to dec- to let God know they're open.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think a neat conversation or a neat prayer that could kind of complement that for an intentional disciple is to pray uh, and to ask the Holy Spirit if if you wish to use me as a channel to, to share God's love with another, like present the opportunity. Uh, so, oh, so that's a complimentary pray prayer. For those, yep.
0: Pray through those divine appointments.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Um, the ones that God sets up and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be praying all the time and saying, Lord, lead me to the person, bring the person to me, make it clear where the opportunity is. I'm just listening. I'm available. Here I am. Um, and and then the main thing is, rule number one, never, never accept a label in place of a story. Mm. You don't know what they mean by a label anymore. If they say they're Catholic, you literally don't know what that means at all. If they say they're a Buddhist, if they say they're an atheist, it may not actually mean they don't literally believe in any kind of God. You don't know until you earn the right to hear their story. And so you know somebody comes up if they start if they raise a subject by giving you a really play you know think like hey that's that's really interesting that's fascinating i'd love to hear tell me more about that what does that mean
1: to you tell us more a little bit about uh, and i want to hone in on this sort of barrier this sort of big challenge to move from curiosity to openness that you're you're experiencing that you're seeing in communities um, you know, the and and I guess you know you you framed it around the um the uh the fact that we should not presume that uh, anyone is living a personal relationship with Jesus.
0: Well, what I'm trying to say is to our astonished okay. True story. Oh. <laughs> I've had some we'll only take
1: true stories. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A woman walked up to me at a major, huge Catholic conference I had been speaking, and uh, and she came up to me, she said, you know, when I was a child, um, Jesus was my buddy, but he wasn't God. I'm like, okay, you want to unpack that for me? And she said, well, because God was this, she was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. God was this nasty rule enforcer who didn't love you, didn't care about you. He was distant, and he only showed up when you needed to be punished because you screwed up. She said, but Jesus was not God, so he could be my body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was the most, stunning. it never, ever, because of my background, never occurred to me that Catholics, these were people raised in the faith who were going to Mass every weekend as children who'd had First Communion prep in the whole nine yards, but who said God was this way far out there. And Jesus wasn't God. Jesus was some kind of nice guy that we were supposed to honor because he did nice things, though that what he did was very unclear.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because of that conversation, I started asking people when I had these sort of, could you tell me sort of the story of your experience of God? And about 20 minutes in, I'd say, oh, I'm just wondering where Jesus is in this, if anywhere. I am telling you, the number of people who told me similar things and they were all cradle Catholics. They, and I said, why do you think this is? And they said, well, no, we just showed up at mass. You fulfilled your obligation. Nobody talked about it at home. I never saw anybody praying. In other words, they weren't seeing people around them living a relationship. There's this Canadian study that I quote all the time that's really interesting um it came out shortly after fid so it's not in the book but um basically they looked at evangelical catholics mainline protestants i mean evangelical protestants mainline protestants and catholics in mm-hmm. canada
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they looked at kids being raised in those traditions and which what would make the difference between those kids who emerged in young adulthood as believing christians and those who didn't and There's four basic things when you dig deep into the data, but what the first one is, I had experienced the presence of God and I had seen answered prayer. Okay, I had a chance to talk about my real issues inside the Christian community. I didn't have to go leave. Three, I had a chance to wrestle with the story of Jesus, basically (laughs) who he is and what he did And, you know, why and why, what does it mean for me? And what am I going to do about it? I had this chance to do that in depth. And four, there were other adults around me, older people, maybe my parents, maybe somebody else, who were living this faith in a compelling, authentic way. Notice this isn't primarily catechetical knowledge. It's mostly, is this real? I know because I've experienced it. I've experienced some kind of relationship, some kind of experience of God. I've seen other people living it around me. I've had a chance to grapple with Jesus and what he has done and what that means. But that sort of thing. Those were that made the difference.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, it, the, and these are for people raised in a Christian tradition. Now, increasingly, of course, more and more people in place on the West Coast in Vancouver or in any of those places are not being raised in Christian traditions at all. So they're starting way out there. So we're literally having to introduce Jesus to them from ground zero. And to foster curiosity and especially to help people move into openness, the things that really help are telling stories of Jesus as healer and Jesus as forgiver because they raise the issue of, where do I feel the need for personal change? Every one of us does. We all have a sense, even no matter how happy and successful we seem to be, there's a part of us, part of our life that we're thinking, oh, I wish I could change this. I wish I could change my relationship with my parents or with my friend, or I wish I hadn't done X in the past, or, or I wish I was mm-hmm. more whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that hunger That I feel hearing the stories of of healing and forgiveness rouses that up and rouses and sort of helps rouse the issue of, am I open to the possibility that there might be a living God who might actually enter my life and change it in, in ways that matter?
1: Yeah, permitting someone to wrestle with the idea, the personality, the character, and the truth about Jesus is a, is, is is a big one. And it's it's almost it, it almost sounds easier to start from ground zero than to start from misconceptions and lived um, lived falsehoods about who Jesus was. Like you know your your example with the um, with the the lady at the conference mm-hmm. coming from a a false picture of who Jesus was and then starting to wrestle from that point almost seems further away from ground zero or from from no knowledge because, you know, there's a lot that kind of, that comes with, um, you know, having that picture of, of mm-hmm. who Jesus, Jesus but, is.
0: But you can see yeah. we won't know whether they were like that woman at the conference who somehow was raised in a Christian background and and picked up this incredibly erroneous image of God. Yes. I don't even know how. I don't know where it came from exactly. Um, Or uh, has zero, you know, it's just a void. There there isn't even a category there Mm -hmm. for it. Um, You can see why getting to know that person's story starting where they are and making no assumptions is so crucial now.
1: Yeah, I love what you said about uh, not taking a label or like uh, kind it of le- reading the into the label over the story. story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really important. Yeah. The
2: study that you're speaking about with the Canada, one of the points that these young people said was that it was in encountering Jesus themselves or having that spiritual experience or in seeing it lived out in other adults. And that ties in really well with one of the concepts that you speak about in your book, which is breaking the silence. And as disciples, getting to a place where we are very comfortable talking about and living our relationship out loud, in a sense, living our relationship with Jesus out loud. Can you give any tips or pointers um, on how one might go about doing that more freely in our daily conversations?
0: Yeah, well, here's a radical one you can always ask someone if you can pray for them most people won't turn you down not even if they're actual atheists just in case there's something you know so if they're if they're in some kind of i mean i think it varies so much from person to person where you are but i'd you just i would i would prepare i'd have some stories just simple stories of God's meeting you or intervention in your life that you, that are, you know, that don't require them to respond. That's just a, you throw it out there. It's quick and you just leave it. You don't, it's not, you're not, you're not trying to um, sort of corner them, so to speak. Um, I would talk, I would just make references to the fact that I prayed about something and God answered for Something like that. Or I'm very grateful for X because this was really important. Um, that kind of just really super simple stuff. Again, I, I adapted for the person. And that presumes you're in an ongoing relationship with them. Um, and then if if I've done that and they're not flinching, I mean, you, could, you have to read them, you know, but if they're, they just sort of, huh, okay. Um, and And they're going through a bad spell, you might say, hey, you know, can I pray for you about that? I'd like to pray for you about that. Or I did pray for you about that because I know that was really important to you. You'd be surprised at how many people are open to that.
1: Yeah, the invitation uh, is is a key part to that. Like, you know, the way in which you invite, allowing for the freedom to say, you know, I'm not so comfortable with that. And, you know, you're not gonna make that awkward in that moment and say, yep, no, I get that totally. You know, the offer stands if ever you feel, you know, it could be helpful for you. Yeah. And I've heard a couple of stories of individuals who have, who have gone out and done just that, um, you know, felt a prompting to, um, to ask those questions and, and, uh, their lived experience is exactly what you're saying. It's, it's very unlikely that someone would turn down, uh, someone else praying for them. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: you know, there's always the up chance something might, good might happen.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>